Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Maybe some of you have been asked the age-old party question. If you could invite any one person to a dinner with you, who would it be? Any one person, anybody in history, anybody from anywhere, no matter how rich, no matter how famous, no matter how powerful, if you invited them to come, they would show up and have dinner with you. You could ask them anything you want. Well, what if God invited you to dinner? Would you come? Or would you say no thanks? That's really what today's parable is all about. What happens when God says, come, and people say, no? Our readings this morning started with the word of the Lord from Isaiah. They start with a feast, a great feast. In fact, this is usually the text we hear at a funeral. There's a good reason for that, because this is the great end times feast. This is the great new heaven and new earth feast where we all gather together with God. It starts out by telling us all the great food that we're going to have. Doesn't say samosas in here, but there's good stuff. Rich food, well-aged wine. In case you don't believe it, it's rich food full of marrow and aged wine, well-refined, superlatives, the best drink, the best food. That's what we get to have who have been invited to the banquet of the Lord. God also eats at this banquet. Did you notice that? He doesn't eat the food and he doesn't drink the wine. He swallows death. That's his meal. He swallows it for you and for me while we get to have all of this good, wonderful food that gives life that is enabled by a God who chooses to take our place and swallow death for us. God eats death so that we can eat life at a great wedding banquet feast. That's the good news. That's really the whole news. We are the good news place, and the good news we proclaim to our community is, come to this feast that God is preparing. He has swallowed death, that now you might eat and drink life with him. But then we get this parable of Jesus. We've started the parables a few weeks ago, these end times parables, where Jesus finds himself in Jerusalem, confronting the religious authorities who are getting more and more angry, but he just keeps doubling down as God is ought to do. And he tells today this parable of a banquet, the wedding feast. Now, I just had a party for my mom. It was her 80th birthday party. And the age-old problem with parties that we hold, right, is how do you avoid having too much food? How do you make sure that you don't order too much? Strange, or too little, for that matter. Because that's also embarrassing, right? When you only order one plate of sandwiches, and then the 30 to 40 people that you didn't expect suddenly come, what are you going to do? You scrounge around in the fridge, try looking for a, maybe if you can make a lettuce and ketchup and mustard wrap out of what's left in there. So how do you make sure that you don't end up with too much food or too little? You send out invitations. At the bottom of that invitation is the great French phrase, répondez s'il vous plaît, or as we know it, RSVP. That way you know how many places to set, how many trays of sandwiches to order, how much chicken to cook, right? 
And how do you feel when you send out 50 invitations and you get 40 RSVPs and 10 people show up? Feel good about yourself? Feel good about them? You maybe get a little bit angry because you have gone and figuratively at least killed the fatted calf and now what are you going to do with all the leftovers? does make you a little bit upset with the people that are supposed to be your friends, because usually it's friends we invite, right, to parties, who all said they were going to come and then didn't bother to show up. Now, in Jesus' day, as is still probably true in some parts of the world, they didn't have punch bowl. They didn't have like electronic invitations that you could send out and put everything, Lyman, into a nice spreadsheet where you could check off all the people. So the way you did things was like this. You went out into your village well in advance of the wedding feast and said, who all's coming? And you take a list and you figure out how many people are coming. That's your RSVP and you cook the meal accordingly. Now, the meal takes a long time to cook. Might take a whole day to put all this stuff together. But when everything is finally ready, when the fatted calf is cooked and all of the bread so you've been baked and you've got the wine ready to go. You send your runners out into the community to say the wedding feast that you said you were going to come to is now ready. Y'all come. So what's happening here in this parable is not that a bunch of people are invited to a wedding feast and then say, pray hold me, excuse, I cannot come because that date is full or I have a doctor's appointment or that's when I have to get in line at the SAAQ to get my insurance renewed, etc., etc." No, these are people who've already said they were going to come. And now suddenly, they can't. What are you going to do with all this leftover food? The wedding feast is ready. But those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. They were not worthy. Why? Because they didn't come. And that's it. That's the only definition of worthiness in this parable. The worthy are those who said, yes, we will come to the feast. And when the feast is ready, they show up. Period. The end. And to double down on that idea, this king says, I, I can't let all this food go to waste. And besides, it's an embarrassment. This is a great day. We're having a wedding. Who wants to walk into the wedding reception where all these tables have been set only to find out that 70% of them are empty. That's no kind of party. So he takes his servants aside and he says, okay, you're going to go out to Park X, Villeray, Saint-Michel, Ville-Marie, Outremont, Westmount, Montréal-Nord, anywhere you need to, and find people, both bad and good, and bring them in so that the wedding hall will be full. Because that's the goal, you see. The goal is not to have the best people there. The goal is to have the wedding hall full and to have the food be eaten to celebrate the sun's big day. Which brings us back to the question I asked way back at the very beginning. If God invited you to his banquet, would you go? Or would you suddenly find yourself too busy? Or maybe that you even want to shoot the messenger 
Do you notice that was in the parable too? All right, so what do we do with all this? How do we put it all together? What is the point that we should walk away with? Well, here it is, and I hope this isn't too much of a shock to you, but I am going to try and disabuse you of a phrase that I sometimes hear Christians use. Only people who believe in Jesus will go to heaven. I do not want you using that phrase. Why? Because it makes Jesus a means to an end. When Jesus is the end and attendance is the means. Belief in heaven are the means. If you look at this parable very, very closely, it is being there celebrating the wedding feast, being there with the son that is the point. It's hearing Jesus' invitation and being there in that great feast that Isaiah describes for us, the word of the Lord, this great feast of well-aged wine and good food full of marrow. Here's the phrase you should use instead. If you decline God's invitation to his wedding banquet, you will not be there. Now, that might seem tautological, and that is precisely the point. When you say only people who believe in Jesus will go to heaven, you make heaven the goal, and then you make everybody want to talk about, well, what is heaven? Is it the place where there are 70 virgins waiting for me? Is it the place where there will be unicorns and magic? Is it a place where I will have cotton candy all day long? No. What we have in scripture is an invitation to God's mountain, an invitation to God's feast, an invitation to be at the wedding banquet of the Son, who is God's Jesus, and our Jesus, the one who has delivered us from sin and who has swallowed up death forever. That's what we want, right? To be with Jesus. And so if somebody says, are you telling me that If I'm invited to the feast and I don't go, I won't be there. You can be the one to look at them with an eyebrow cocked and say, is there a flaw in that logic? Because that, you see, my friends, is what we do as the church. We are in the wedding banquet business. We are in the feasting business. We are inviting people to come and feast, not just with some famous person from the past or some really incredible hockey player that we really, really like, but with the Lord God himself, who will set the table for all of us. God is not just inviting you to a wedding banquet later, either. The banquet starts now. It does no good to just say, well, maybe at some point if there is a wedding banquet and the feast actually does get set, then I'll come. Because every time we gather together here around the altar, it is the very beginning of that wedding feast. You can go out there when people say, I want to be at that feast. You can say, here is where it happens. Where God, who has swallowed up death forever, gives us his own broken body and blood that we might have life instead of death, that we might have forgiveness instead of guilt, and that we might know the joy of being in God's presence instead of his judgment. Now, one last point, because you're probably thinking about it. If you haven't chased this rabbit yet, now you will, and that's, well, Pastor, what about the wedding garment? What's the business of the wedding garment? How do, you, how do you get in and get one? Well, many of you know that especially on Sundays where we have a lot of guests, and the guests are from non-Christian traditions, 
The communion announcement that I do will be done from right here. And what do I tell people? That the path to this wedding feast begins at that font. It is in that font that we receive Jesus' forgiveness first, where we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, where we can say for certain, because of God's promise, that we are God's children. And starting there at that font, we get invited to prepare to come to the wedding banquet. And then we come and receive together in feast at this altar, the body and blood of Christ. So what then is the wedding garment? It's that God wants to clothe you so that you don't have to search around and figure out what to wear. And God clothes you in a white garment in that baptism. In Revelation chapter 7, John writes, Who are these clothed in white? Or the angel speaks to John and says, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, if you want to come to this feast and you want to know how do I answer the invitation first, it starts there. It starts there with saying, what is preventing me from being baptized? Which, finally, if you haven't asked the question yet or have wondered what the answer is, why do we take the lid off that baptismal font now? Why do I have a vase of water there? Because I don't want somebody coming up and saying, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And the answer being, well, the font is closed and I don't have any water. There is nothing preventing you from being baptized. Even this morning. I know most of you are baptized, but if somebody were here that wasn't, there is nothing stopping you. There is your wedding garment, and here is the wedding feast. Now, most people know that how the Bible starts. That might even be as far as they get in reading the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We get that. Most people don't know how the Bible ends, probably because they stumbled somewhere in the middle of Leviticus and didn't get much further, or maybe the genealogies and chronicles sort of stumbled, tripped them up. But the Bible actually really ends with Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. You can't make people come to your wedding banquet. You can't invite them. And you can't make sure that they got the invitation. You can follow up by email. You can send them a Facebook message. Say, did you, did you get it? I haven't heard back from you yet. You can't make them come, but you can make sure that they know that they are wanted. And that's what we do. That's what the bride does, because we are the bride. And Jesus is the groom. And the Spirit speaks through us. When we go out into the world... Our message is not, you need to believe in Jesus or you won't go to heaven. The invitation is much simpler than that. God is setting a feast for you. And he wants you to be there. Will you come? Because these are the gifts of God for the people of God. And happy are they who are called to this supper. So we too say, sure, we'll come. Amen.